Caleb stretched out his hand over the sea, doing exactly what God said, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on their left. I wonder who was the first one to step in. <laughs> that thing went up before them, that wind blew down through there, and Moses stuck out that rod, and psh, there it went, and all right, go forward. Who's first? Probably some little kid. <laughs> Amen. Check this out, Daddy. Yeah, all right, come on. This is nice. Uh, verse 23, And the Egyptians pursued and went after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels and they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. Thank God God's our fighter. Amen. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to his, to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians uh, fled again against it, excuse me, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of, the, of Pharaoh that came into the sea. After them there remained not so much as one of them. Killed them all. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. They come floating up. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the, Lord, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. Amen. May God add the blessing to the reading of His Word. We see this, uh, this discipline of distress, and we're at the second point here, this uh, divine announcement. This, this God's got them in this place, and He's arranged it to get them to where they need to be, to teach them this lesson about life. Before proceeding to discuss the divine announcement, let us be sure we have the divine arrangement clearly in mind. Jehovah commanded His people to encamp by the Red Sea. With the, with the Red Sea before them, they were surrounded on either side by high mountains. And when Jehovah ca uh, gave the command, he well knew that Pharaoh and his army would soon pursue the fleeing Israelites. As a result, Israel faced uh, virtual extinction, extin extinction, 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 at the hand of the uh, arranged Egyptians. They, he got, they were going to kill them all. They will be extinct. Amen. And that's what they thought. But it wasn't to be the case. As soon as the people of Israel learned that the Egyptian army was in pursuit, they began to be afraid and cried out. They complained bitterly to Moses. Look back again in verse number 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, because they were, uh, and, excuse me, and they said unto Moses, because there were no grave, graves in Egypt. I mean, come on, Moses. We <laughs> weren't there enough places to bury us back there? Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? 
Is it not the word that we did tell you saying, let us alone? Let us die here instead of dying out there? They complained bitterly to Moses. Moses' reaction to this outburst manifested confidence and courage. Remember what he said? Verse 13, and Moses said, fear ye not. Confidently. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Hey, God's got this, man. Calm down. It's confident. Although apparently he did not know precisely how God was going to deliver Israel, he said, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall uh, fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. I don't know if he didn't know it all or not. God could have told him exactly how he was going to do it. All we know is he says, Stand still, you ain't going to see them no more after the day. Did God say, Hey, Moses... I'm going to kill them all, or did, God, or did Moses have the whole plan out? At this point, we notice an aspect of the story that deserves close attention and examination. After this statement to Israel, Moses must have sought the Lord in prayer. Because of verse 15, what we said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Amen. This was God's reply back to Moses. Why did the Lord rebuke Moses for crying unto him? To answer the que that question, we, must, we, we need to ask another. Where was the pillar of cloud at the time? The pillar of cloud was leading them. It doesn't say where it was, but we know it was there to lead their lives. Look back in chapter 13, verse number 21. The Bible says this, And the Lord went... Before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them in the way, lead them the way, and by night in the in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. God was constantly leading them. You remember as we've studied this thing that hey, when that cloud rested, they were the rest. When the cloud moved, they were to move. Right. Uh, so, so we have learned that uh, already drawn attention to the fact that the pillar of cloud was divinely ordained to give guidance to Israel. From the evidence given in Exodus 14, we can but conclude that the pillar of cloud was between Israel and the Red Sea, perhaps indeed over the Red Sea. Here they are encamped about and maybe, just maybe, because of God's statement to, to, to Moses, he said, Hey, Moses, wherefore Christ thou to me? Tell them to go forward. The cloud was leading them. Is it possible that the cloud had moved over to sea? And so the cloud had moved. Guess what Israel was supposed to do? They're supposed to take up camp and follow. And so God tells Moses, and said, Hey, man, you don't see the cloud moving? Why are you still standing here? Why ain't you going forward? Why ain't you moving when I told you, when I move, you move? Chapter 14, look at verse 19. The Bible said, And the angel of, the, angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. So the angel was ahead of them. Now it's moved back behind them, right? Remember that cloud now is pushing them? But it was out in front of them before. Is it maybe it's over the Red Sea and they're still standing there and, God, and God's like, Moses, I don't know why you're talking to me about this thing. 
The cloud's moving, son. It's time to get going. Right? In Exodus 14, 19, and 20, we read that after the Lord's instructions to Moses, the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed behind them, and the pillar cloud went from before their face and stood behind them, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. But apparently, up until this time, the angel of the Lord and the pillar of cloud was situated in front of Israel. In other words, the point is this. During the time Israel first saw the Egyptians pursuing them, during the time Israel was complaining to Moses, during the time Moses was praying to the Lord, the angel of the Lord and the pillar of cloud was indicating the way to take and the way was forward. Move. We have already, we, we, excuse me, we are ready now to study the divine announcement in detail. We may state the essence of the divine announcements in the form of an adding principle. Progress in the life of faith depends on the obedience of faith. If you're going to progress, you're going to have to be obedient. You're going to have to obey what the Lord has told you to do, right? Moses' command fell short of the divine plan. Moses stated to the people, stand still. Right? Is that not what he said? He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. They're out there running around and Moses said, hey, hey, stop. Calm down. I understand what he's saying. They're they acting crazy. But God's command was to Moses right after that, hey, man, why are you crying to me? Go forward. Do you know there's a time to stand and there's a time to move? God said to the people, go forward. When therefore we are faced with the discipline and distress, we may react in one or three ways. Here are the three ways in this divine announcement and the, and, and the way we will react. Number one, we may panic as did the Israelites. The distress was there and they're like <laughs> going crazy. And Moses said, hey, calm down. Stand still. They were panicked. Hey, did you leave us out here to die? Right? In the approaching army of the Egyptians, uh, they read their doom. They forgot what God had done for them in, in the past and gave way to fear and unbelief. They hadn't been soon delivered out of Egypt by the blood of the, on the doorpost and came out with a high hand to get out there following the Lord. There's clouds in front of them, this pillar of fire at the night and pillar of cloud in the day. Everything's just going great. God's taking care of them. And soon after that, they're panicking. Where's God? He's the same place he's always been. What about this Moses that led us out here? You didn't have a problem with him when he got you out of Egypt. It was a minute ago when you were shouting the victory and had your hand up high. Right? But the distress led one of the ways that we react sometimes, just like the children of Israel, was panic. Number two. Or like Moses, we seek God's face. There was panic in the Israelites. There was a seeking of God's face in Moses. Even though guidance had, had clearly been given, we may understand the divine purpose and become stalled for lack of clear insight into God's plan and lack of faith in His power. God clearly told Moses, Hey, why are you crying to me? Go forward. So sometimes we panic. Sometimes, listen, we pray. Which is not bad, except when you ought to be moving. Sometimes we pray when we ought to be doing something. 
Sometime, God said, hey, we didn't talk about this long enough. When are you going to do something? God ever put you in a place like that? You just talking about praying about it? And God says, no, I'll tell it. I had to do that as a pastor, and it ain't fun. And you pray about situations in church and think that things going on in people's lives, and then God says, hey, son, it's time for you to tell them. Uh, but, Lord, if I tell them, what's going to happen? Right? Is that not how we act? How are they going to take it? But you know what? The results are up to God. You know what I found out in telling it when I prayed about it? That some people just said, that's right, and took it. You know what I've also found out? Some of them left and said the preacher shouldn't have told it. But who am I supposed to give an account to? The one that said, hey, son, work for Christ out of me, speaking to the people that go forward. You got to do something with it. It ain't always easy, but it's right. Right? Or number three. These are the three ways you can act. You can panic. You can seek God's face when you ought to be moving. Or you can just simply go forward. In answer to the divine guidance given to us, that is what the Lord wants Israel to do. Not to panic, not to pray, but to push forward into the Red, across the Red Sea. Go forward, number one, or A, however you want to write it down in your notes, if you're writing notes with it or underline it in your book or whatever you're doing or maybe just listening. I got an outline here to keep me some structure. Amen. This divine announcement is, number one, to go forward, A, in spite of your reasoning. Hey, go forward. Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> There's a sea right here, Moses. <laughs> and this don't make sense. Right? You ever had God tell you to go forward and it don't make sense? Despite your reasoning. Why was Israel reluctant to follow the angel of the Lord and the pillar of cloud? Surely they reason, uh, uh, they reason this way. How can we go forward? It is impossible to cross the Red Sea. We see the pillar of cloud, but we cannot understand its movements. It's despite your reasoning. Uh, hold your place here and look in uh, uh, Hebrews 11. This ain't in your notes. I'll just inject it for you, amen, in the book anyhow. But you can put it in your notes. Hebrews 11, amen, despite your reasoning. Hebrews 11, look in verse number 6. It is because of our reasoning, so logical and acceptable in, in, the, in the natural, that faith is often stemmed. Hey, this don't make sense. God brings us unto the place of distress in order that we may exercise faith but we thwart his purpose by our clever reasoning. A penny held before the eye can blind, the, blind us to the world around us. Just a penny. You can't see nothing. And our petty reasoning often shuts out from our vision the power of God. And we're not still the same way. Hebrews 11 verse 6, but without faith. It is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hey, you're going to have to believe God. Well, this don't make sense. No, but God said go forward. God will part the Red Sea in your life. God will make a way. If God said go, God will make a way. Look back in Exodus chapter number 14. 
Hey, man, you got to move in spite of your reasoning. B, you got to go forward. You got to move. This divine announcement is to go forward. And we're to uh, uh, go forward in spite of our reason, but we're to go forward in spite of our fears. If fear has bruised your heel, then it is high time that you bruise its head. <laughs> As faith steps forward, fear must retreat. Too many of God's children are bound by cords of fear. In the strength of the divine command, go forward, let us be uh, victorious, and fear be expelled. Hey, you got to go forward. You got to step out. You know what the Bible says? The fear of man bringeth a snare. Uh, here's, your, here's your verse. Romans 14, 23. What's not a faith is sin. That's the way God looks at it. So you got to go forward in spite of your reasoning, A. In spite of your fears, B. Hey, C, go forward in spite of your weakness. You say, but I'm weak. Second Corinthians chapter number 12. Hold your place again here. Second Corinthians 12. you got to go forward in spite of your fears, in spite of your reasoning, in spite of your weakness. Hey, we are weak, but he's strong. Right? Second Corinthians 12 Look at verse number 9. Paul's over here talking to the Lord about his weakness, and about his infirmity, about things going on in his life. Some distress here. 2 Corinthians 12, uh, he, he, he besought the Lord. He prayed about it, right? And God said, hey, enough praying, Mo, uh, Paul. He prayed thrice. Verse number 8, uh, this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. God's answer wasn't the one he wanted, but it was, it was right. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to say, Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, and in, in reproaches, and necessities, and persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. God said, Hey, you're weak, but I'm not. And I'll give you grace over your weakness. So we're to go forward in spite of our weakness. You are not responsible in your own power for opening the sea. Or defeating the enemy. Your part is to trust the almighty deliverer. Faith is victorious in the strength of another. Hey, God's our strength. Hey, man, let me get a tissue. Nose starting to run. Excuse me. When to go forward, when Columbus, remember Columbus that sailed the sea, was crossing the Atlantic day after day, no land appeared. His sailors threatened to mutiny and tried often to persuade him to turn back. Columbus refused to listen to their entreaties and each day entered in the ship's logs the words, sailed on. It ain't that good. You know what you got to do? Tomorrow, sell on. You know what you got to do the next day? Just sell on. Just go forward, right? Our, on our voyage of discovery, like it was with Columbus, if you will, the only way that we bring success and victory is the way forward. Let us sell on. As Annie Johnson Flint wrote, have you come to the Red Sea place in your life? 
where in spite of all you can do, there is no way out, there is no way back, there is no other way but through. Then wait on the Lord with a true serene, with, with, with a trust serene, till the night of your fear is gone. He will send the winds, He will heap the floods when He says to your soul, Go on. Hey, sell on. So there's the divine announcement. What is it? Go forward. Number three, Roman number three in the book. That's where I wrote it in mine. However you're doing yours. I'm probably confusing you if you're writing it different. The divine accomplishment. So the divine, this discipline of distress comes with a divine announce, arrangement, a divine announcement, and a divine accomplishment. Amen. What then happens in this, in this situation that faced Israel? Consider the divine accomplishment. In the face of such dire need... How often God's intervention on, beh on behalf of His people is celebrated in the Psalms. Look at Psalms 106. Psalms 106. Verse number 9 through verse 12. See that first word, He? Psalms 106.9, He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So He led them through the depths as through the wilderness, and He saved them from the hand of Him that hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they His words. They sang His praises. Hey, sometimes the life will make you a believer, amen. And the waters covered them and they believed. The divine accomplishment involved, number one, a division of the Red Sea. Number two, a destruction of, of the Egyptians. Number three, the deliverance of Israel. God divided the sea, God destroyed the Egyptians, and God delivered his people, amen. So let's look at this thing. Number one, uh, there was a division, uh, division of the Red Sea. That's in verse 21 and verse 22, amen. This, that was the account of his divi dividing of it. What about that impossible thing that now faces you? The God who divided the Red Sea on the behalf of Israel, He is able to de deal with your problem. Yes. <laughs> he took care of them. Guess what? He's the same God. He can take care of us. You say, well, it's impossible. Well, <laughs> I don't know how much more possible it gets than a sea divided down the middle and God bringing them out, right? God can do it. Amen. Then trust Him. Step onward and forward. That's our responsibility. The way of victory is the way of faith. Progress in Christian experience is dependent upon your obedience to the present demand of God in your life. What is God telling you to do? What, what did he tell Israel? Go forward. If God tells you to stand there, stand. And when you're done all to stand, Ephesians 6, stand there for. But when God says move, move. Hey, it's about... Being obedient to the divine teacher that's teaching his students, right? In your current situation of distress, what is God saying do? I don't think he's saying later and have a pity party. I don't think he's sitting there later and come and complain. Deal with it. What are you going to do with it? Sometimes we act the wrong way. But thank God, God knows how to come back with his word 
to straighten us out. Brother D gave a great devotion this morning about, hey, hey, he got angry. God, reading the Word of God, God said, hey, son, that ain't right. Deal with it. You can sit there and be in anger and distress, or you can, hey, what are you doing, God? Where you want me to go? Let's follow him. Amen. There was a division of the Red Sea. Number two, there was a destruction of the Egyptians. That's in verse 26 through 28. Very clearly, he destroyed them. Seeing the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, the Egyptian army attempted to do likewise. Guess what? Didn't work out with them. God destroyed them. God, was good. God will take care of your enemy. You just go forward. Trust the Lord. Here is total annihilation of the enemy. Israel could now proceed without fear of being further persuaded by the Egyptians. This is always the scale of God's victory over his enemy. This truth is proclaimed throughout the scriptures, and there is no need that God's people should be haunted, hunted, excuse me, hunted or hurled and hounded by an enemy. God is able to defeat their foe. And what we said last week about the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hey, our God's able. But if he don't, we ain't bowing. We're going to trust our God and let God handle the results. In this case, we see number three, the deliverance of Israel. Verse 30 through 30, 30 and 31. God destroyed them. They floated up on the sea. God brought them over on the other side. And in chapter 15, they're singing praises to God. God delivered them. Amen. God brought them across. Out, of, out from the place of distress, the place of being pressed together, God brought his people triumphantly. He who called them was faithful and delivered them out of all their troubles. And what should be the response of the, to the divine deliverance? We read concerning Israel that well, when they realized what God had done, they feared the Lord and believed the Lord. Look at verse 31 again. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did. All they were to do was go forward. God done the victory upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord, number one. And number two, believed the Lord. Number three, and his servant Moses. What should be our response to the divine deliverance? We read concerning Israel that when they realized what God had done, they feared the Lord and believed the Lord. And in this case, we saw also, and his servant Moses. And in the words of the psalmist, Psalm 66, 6, there did we rejoice in him. We saw that early on in this chapter. That's the psalmist speaking about what Israel went through and what they did and what God did, and they rejoiced in him. Here are three responses, fear, faith, and joy. And when, and when we, excuse me, and when we, with Israel, experience the divine deliverance, there should be this trio of response in our hearts. We should fear the Lord with a godly fear. We should remain in his presence with heart overwhelmed by a sense of his greatness and glory. We should believe the Lord. As a result of his salvation, we should be ready to respond to his every command, giving him the obedience of faith. We should rejoice in the Lord, like Moses and the children of Israel. 
Uh, we should lift up our, our hearts and our voices in song of redemption. Look in chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. Then, it was then, sang Moses, the, sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed uh, gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will prepare him in habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Hey, they left out with a high hand. It wasn't soon they were in that distress, but then God brought them through and they're out shouting the victory again. You know the rest of the story. What's sad, there'll be another pity party for a long. God going to deliver them again. It's kind of like this. But through that trial, God's teaching them, trying to make them more like him. And God's a patient, patient teacher because many times we look at Israel and maybe we look at them and say, man, what were they thinking? But then when we look at our own lives, we think, we think the same thing sometimes. We're the same way and we got the same teacher and God's trying to teach us. Giving his testimony once, the late Dr. T.J. Bach of the Evangelistical Alliance Mission said, As I look back, I see how God used incidents and people to move me in the direction He wanted me to go. What is the purpose of God's discipline of distress? It is that we as His children might move in the, in the direction He wants us to go. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. That's what God wants us to do. Not go back and in some cases not even stand still. Follow the Lord's direction and He will always make a way. The discipline of distress. There was a divine arrangement. God lined it up. God gave a divine announcement in the middle of their distress. And then there was a divine accomplishment. God will always come through. Amen. So we'll move to chapter 4. Amen. Read it for next week. And we'll move forward into it as far as we can go and see what God can teach us some more out of his book. Amen. Amen. Let's dismiss in prayer. Amen. Brother Ben, how about dismiss his brother?